so we appreciate that uh, willingness to reach out. Let's go ahead and read our verse together, which I think is particularly applicable in light of what Lou shared and what we've just been doing. Uh, John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All right. Hopefully you, you, have a, you have a lesson sheet for today from Luke 22. And are there any extras? Does anyone need one if you don't have a lesson sheet for today? If you don't, raise your hand and we'll make sure one gets to you. But uh, the question that's being asked is, who's greater? And this is a series on the questions that Jesus asked surrounding the resurrection. And so from that question, who's greater, we go into this lesson today and we, we're looking at how do, we, how do we act as the servant leaders in this whole idea. And a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. The one who rules like the one who serves. Who is the greater? The one who is able at the table or the one who serves? Isn't that the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So in the real world, you know, those that are most prominent get the best seats, are the ones invited, they're the ones who rule, those are the ones who are in authority. But Jesus said, switch it upside down. From my perspective, when it comes to the kingdom of God, the things that God actually cares about. So remember, Jesus is God. Amen? Jesus is God. And as God, his perspective is, you know what, there's people who are looking at their life as being really important. Their status is really important, but not so with me. In fact, I, as I was reading through my devotions this week, I was reminded of Jesus' words. That sometimes, when we look at the end days, heaven itself, those who you might perceive as being the greatest in heaven will be the least. And those that are least may be considered will be the greatest. In other words, what we do matters. But not just what we do, but our heart attitude in the process, our motives, our reasons for why we do what we do. Now, this wasn't the first time a dispute came up like this, okay? Back in Matthew 20, um, the, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, Asked him a favor. Now you can picture this. We, we, we talked about this two weeks ago. Okay. This mom. Jesus is sitting there. And she comes up and kneels down next to Jesus. Okay. This intimate relationship. The boys are standing there. The sons of Zebedee are standing right behind her. And she comes down and kneels and he goes, what do you want? Okay. And he said. And she said. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left. In your kingdom. I just can't even imagine what Jesus felt at that point. You know, here's this mom intimately coming next to him. What do you want? I, I, I want my boys to be at your left and right hand in the kingdom. 
So in heaven one day, I want them to have the most prominent seat. I want them to be next to you. And he's like, oh my gosh. Even Jesus had to deal with politics. <laughs> Even Jesus had to deal with people who were trying to manipulate and control things. He says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. And he's, he's not looking at her. Now, he's looking at the boys because he knows exactly why mama came to him. Because the boys wanted it. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus then, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by the Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the other two, with the two brothers. Jesus called them together. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Just as the Son of Man came. Now, I want you to think about this perspective. When you think of your life... Uh, let me ask this first. How many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Say amen. amen. If that's the case, how many of you, you know, you, you don't need to respond. I just, this is an internal question. Do you view yourself as the servant of all? In other words, you're not looking for prominence. You're just looking for ways to be promote, uh, to promote others, to serve others. To be a slave. Now that's the opposite of our thinking in our culture. Because our culture tells us, get all you can, get all, can all you get, maximize your benefit. It's all about you. It's all about me. It's about my needs. It's about my wants. It's about my desires. It's about what I can do for me to make myself prominent. Jesus said, not so with me. So the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, make a request of Jesus that her sons would have a prominent position in his kingdom. We talked about this two weeks ago. Why would she ask him and not her son standing by her side? Because they understood, remember the, uh, the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine? You know, they came to him and Mary, they, Mary ends up coming to him and says, hey, they need some help here. And he's like, what, what do I have to do with this? this is, you know, she goes, just, just listen to him. And he turns the water into wine. And he, he does things at the request of mamas. At least his mom. He respected her. Even when he was 12, he's in the temple. They couldn't find him for a couple days, and they're freaking out. They lost God. <laughs> and, you know, and they go back, and they eventually find him in the temple. And he's debating, talking with the Pharisees, you know, the teachers. And they're like, Jesus! Been, how many of you have ever lost a child? Someplace, okay, you know what I mean? You know that fear and the relief that you find when you see them. You have immediate joy, you embrace them, and then you want to kill them. Okay, you know, I, I we get it. And then you're like, what are you doing to this for? And, and he, he looks at her and says, woman, and that's not a derogatory statement. If it was, if we said that today, if one of our kids said, woman, there would be some things being said and done. But that was, that was a, 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 a proper term 
And he says, why were you looking for me? Don't you, need to, don't you know that I need to be about my father's business? Now, it's an interesting statement here then. See, mamas have a close relationship with their children. And so they're, they're in this relationship. This mom, like how many helicopter moms or Apache moms do we have in our culture today? They know, they know their children aren't going to ask or get it done, so they got to get involved to make it happen. It's like the emails I get from parents all the time. Uh, you know, I got an email from a dad recently, and he said, I never do this, but, liar, <laughs> you always do it. That's what, you know, but we like to take control because we feel like they will listen to us more. Okay? Now think about this from our perspective, even from that sidebar of Jesus in the temple. Are we known as people who are about our father's business? Why, why would you think I'd be doing anything else? Why would you look for me? I mean, can't you figure this out? This is why I've come. What about us? Are we about that person? So he, he says to them, you know, can you drink this cup? And he says, yes, you are. James was killed by the sword. You have that there. John was banished to the island of Patmos. Most likely was a slave in the mines. He died uh, late in life. He was released uh, from the island, and he died at Ephesus in around AD uh, 100. So obviously there was sacrifice done here. The rest of the disciples, though, became angry with the situation with James and John. And Jesus then gives them this charge, okay? Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. In other words, there's nothing wrong with being great in the Lord's eyes. There's nothing wrong with being considered great. But the perspective of what does that look like isn't you're not great because of your wealth or your status, your position, your title. You are considered great by what you do to serve others. That's the, that's the radical approach that Jesus is trying to bring to us. We are considered great because of what we're willing to do to serve people. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. We don't like that term, but it's the word doulos. And the word doulos actually is the idea of also not only a slave, but a bond servant, but it's one who willingly chooses it. It's not like, yeah, I'm, I'm a slave for Jesus. It stinks, but I'm going to do it because he wants me to do it. No, it's someone who willingly says, this is who I am. This is what I choose to be. I am a slave for Jesus. And I'm yours too. And i got to be honest with you. That's hard in any culture, any society right now, to think through that. Because how many times do we think to ourselves, oh, not again. I just wanted to sit here you know, I'll be honest with you. There are times when I will pray, and Cheryl can confirm it. I'll ask, I'll, I'll pray this at dinner. Lord, I pray that tonight there'll be no drama. <laughs> you know? But what am I really saying? I just want a peaceful evening. Now that's, but understand, that's something's wrong. 
Because you know what? That, that's not the right attitude to have. Because what if I need to be a servant or a slave to somebody? So be it. So be it. The example of Jesus, he said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. How can we avoid an entitlement attitude and give our life away for others? Do we have an, do I have an entitlement attitude? I deserve a break today. Do I have that entitlement attitude? Do you have that entitlement attitude? And do we deserve that entitlement attitude? You know what I'm saying? How, what does it really mean to give our life away for others? The disciples recognize the end is coming. It's, is it, and they, they talk about, you know, okay, you know, they're, they're negotiating here. Okay, Jesus, we're at, we just finished the, the, the Lord's Supper. He's, he's getting ready. Um, he's, been, he's told us that he's going to die. But three days later, he'll raise again. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, that's the kind of attitude. Because did, did they not all leave? Yes. And Peter did deny him three times. And so they, they, he knows this is coming. They know it's coming. So now, okay, if, if the leader's leaving, what do we do? We've got a jockey for position. You know, uh, I have to be honest with you. This, uh, since January, when David Nasser told me, told us as executive directors that he was leaving, that we weren't allowed to say anything. I, I, that's been, so that you know, that was one of my unspoken requests. Because I know the culture of a Christian university is one where when the head spiritual life guy is going to step down, who's going to come in? Who's going to, you know, I believe God's calling me to fix that problem up at Liberty. Or I believe God's called me to bring it back to the good old days. Or I'm going to do this and I'm God's champion for this, for this, such a time as this. And my prayer is, oh Lord, please don't bring in somebody who wants to, you know, turn our lives upside down to do it according to what they want to do. This is according to what you want to do. You know, your will be done, not theirs. And I know, hey, been here, done that, folks. You, it happens, right? People try to manipulate. And I was so grateful the day after Pastor Nasser resigned, communicated that he was resigning. He's not leaving until the end of May. But that Jonathan was declared, made the campus pastor. Why did they do that? Brilliant. So that those on the outside who wanted to be the campus pastor now won't. Oh, I missed it. But they jockey for positions. That happens all the time. Jesus responds by giving them a worldly view of leadership. They lord their position over others. People like authority because they want to be in control. I'll be I'll be the one who takes care of everything. I'll take care of this. They consider themselves benefactors. They exercise authority over people. Uh, you know, I'm going to be a gift to you. I'm God's gift to you. You know, and they do things that way. Is Jesus against government leaders and authority? Of course not. Jesus didn't want his disciples to act like those in authority. Who are the secular approaching. Why? Why did he want to act 
doesn't act like that. Government people tend to be more narcissistic, yeah. or the worldly people at least tend to be narcissistic. Yeah. Power corrupts. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, that's a, that attitude, this idea. And this is why servant leadership is so important. Jesus provides them with the model of leadership for them. They should be like the youngest. Now think about that. Why would he even say it like that? Be like the youngest. Do we feel in, entitled the older we get and the more seniority we've earned? When you're the youngest, you have the least authority, you're starting at the bottom, and you've got to work your way up by, by being a servant and, and do the, the, the dirty work. That's what servants do. They do the dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. It's more pliable and they're willing to learn and, and understand and grow versus already having their mind set in a certain way and not willing to change. Great point, Dish. They're pliable. They're willing to learn rather than know it all. Okay? When, you're, when you have a younger mindset, when you have this mindset that says, now, there's also negatives that can come with youth. We understand that. He's not saying that. But he says, leaders should be like the one who serves. Jesus gave his disciples the vision to be servant leaders. Okay? And in all of this, he says, I'm going to give you this model. I want to show you what I did. What did he do to show and model servant leadership to his disciples? He washed their feet. He washed their feet. Pretty nasty. Because they wore sandals, it was dirty, it was gross. They would sit down at meals, often on the ground together, and their feet would be near their face and their hands. You needed to have your feet washed. And Jesus says, this is what it means to serve. What is servant leadership? Christ-like servant leaders, according to scriptures, they're motivated by love. Can someone read John 13, 1 and verse 34 for me? It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, a new command. Because a lot of times they felt it was reciprocal. Okay? You, you do for me and I'll do for you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. You know, it's an equal thing. Balance weights. Uh, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. In other words, love isn't, okay, you do for me, I'll do for you. No. A new command. Love the way I've loved. How did Jesus love? Unconditionally. Without strings. I was going to say without reservation. Without reservation. That's his design for us. That's how God wants us to love each other. Without reservation. Without any other strings attached. Unconditionally. They have the right knowledge and approach. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20 says, When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write, this is talking about the king. 
Okay? The new king that comes in, who's the authority, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord as God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. He has to have the right knowledge and the right approach. So those in authority, those who are ruling, those who are, who are great, he was to take that, write it out himself. Imagine taking the New Testament and writing it out by your own hand. And then read it every day. And agree to follow that all the days of your life. And not to consider yourself any better than anybody, than any of your fellow servants, the Israelites. But treat them as an equal. That's what the king was supposed to do. Is that what they did? Is that how they practiced their leadership? Most of them know. And God had to deal with that issue. They do God's will and not their own. John 6, 38. Someone read that for me. Think about that for a moment. We know he said that again later in the garden. But this is before the garden. He says, I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Now imagine if we incorporate that as a part of our thinking. I am not alive today to do my will, but the one who saved me. Imagine how that would transform our daily life, my life. If every single moment of life I did God's will, and that was my heart and passion. They have an eternal perspective. John 8, 36 says, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. My kingdom is from another place. Your kingdom is from another place. It's not, this is not our home. We're just passing through. Our whole focus, okay, we're not of this world. Okay? We're not of this world. We're going to our kingdom because he is our Lord. And you know what? He says, if it were, my servants would fight. Okay? That's why Peter, you know, grabbed his sword out in the garden, cuts off the ear of his servant. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. That's not my purpose. That's not why I'm here. It's not about fighting. Because my world is not here. It's there. Do we have an eternal perspective on what we do with our life? Now think it through that. Do I have an eternal perspective on what I do? In other words, here's a question. Do you know, do you know people in your life who are close to you that don't know Jesus? If they die, where will they go? Do I have an eternal perspective on my life? My, my, those that are around me, those people. What, what, when I communicate to my spouse, when I communicate to my children, my grandchildren, am I trying to help prepare them to meet God one day? 
Am I trying to get them into a right relationship with God? Everything that I possibly can. So I, I will get them so that one day they're going to, when they are under the judgment seat of Christ, which is Romans 14, all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That will be an incredible experience. Am I doing that intentionally? They perform intentional acts of service for others. John 13, 12 to 16. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, the Lord and your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Lord, how do you want me to serve others? How do you want me to serve others through my career? How do you want me to serve others in my home? How do you want me to serve others in my neighborhood? How do I do that, Lord, in a way that's honoring to you? They humbly serve others. Someone read Mark 9, 35 for me. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and serve them all. They humbly serve others. Is it... Is Jesus saying, let me ask this perspective. Is Jesus saying it's wrong to be first? No. Is there anything wrong with being great? No. We call them champions for Christ. Is that shame on us? We should be calling them servants for Christ? No, there's nothing wrong with being a champion. But a champion will be a servant. Those in authority, those who are great. One day, when you die, you may have someone in your life at your funeral say something like, they were a great woman. They were a great man. And what would they mean? What would you want them to mean? They loved God and served people. Wouldn't that be awesome? They loved God and they served people. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used as his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He says, you know, he didn't consider equality with God something to use for his advantage. I am God. No. He didn't come across that way. I am servant. And you know what? That confused people. Because that's not what they wanted, was it? Okay? Now, here's the question. 
You're going to be put under pressure in this society to live and act a certain way. Will we buck the trend of society to do the right thing? That's hard. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do something for your advantage, not my own. What is servant leadership? It's Christ-like servant leaders. They will humbly serve others. Mark 9.35 and Philippians 2.33 is what we had. Why didn't the disciples get this principle from Jesus? He explained it earlier. Okay, they had an argument regarding, you know, these two brothers, sons of Zebedee. Mom comes to them. Later at the, at the uh, Passover, they start doing it again. And Jesus reminds them again of what they're supposed to do. He, he had already washed their feet. Why weren't the disciples getting this? And then when Jesus in the garden goes away, they fall asleep. Okay? Then finally Judas comes with the crowd and ultimately, you know, confronts Jesus and kisses him on the cheek and they arrest him. All the disciples disperse. Peter denies him three times and even knows him, curses the fact that he doesn't know him. And then ultimately they all abandon him. And remember, even after he's died and supposedly rose from the dead, what did, Jesus, what did Peter do? He, what did he say to his disciple brothers? I will not believe or unless I actually touch him and feel the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. That was Thomas. And Thomas said that. He said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Peter said, I'm going fishing. But see how the, the disciples were? Okay, Thomas, that's a great example. I'm not going to believe unless I, 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 I actually physically touch him. I actually see him and touch him. Yeah, absolutely right. Peter goes, I'm going back fishing. Are you kidding me? Why didn't they get this? Then the question begs itself for all of us here. What about me? Do I get what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? I mean, I know, I mean, in society and culture, I know how to have a, go a job and do well at my job. I got married, I had two daughters. They got married. We have three grandchildren. I know how to do life. You know, I'm involved in the community. I do service, things like that. Do I really understand, though, in the culture of today, do I really understand what it means to be a servant of Jesus and to give my life a ransom for many? Man, it's tough. Because it goes against the very culture in which we live in. What does that mean? And, and, and I'm going to step back and take off the pin and throw the grenade and ask this question to me first, then to you. Imagine if God said this, not audibly, Lou, I want you to go blank. But Lord, I'm 58. I'm preparing for retirement. I want to retire in a few years. I'm putting together a portfolio so that I can actually retire one day and, and enjoy my life. Lou, I want you to go blank. But Lord, I've got grandkids. They live in the same town. I'm so blessed. 
you got to understand, if I go, I, I'm not going to be, Lou, I want you to go blank. What if he asked that of you? What does it really mean to be a servant of the Lord and for others? Heavenly Father, as we close up this class today, teach us what it really means to be like Jesus. Father, you sent your son to die. In all honesty, Lord, I like living. But I remember at Thomas Road Baptist Church going forward and I was baptized because I was only sprinkled as a baby. And when I went into that water, Lord, it was a symbol of death. I was dying to me. Thankfully, Pastor Jim didn't leave me under the water. He brought me up out of that water to represent a new life in Christ. God, I want to live for you. Teach us what that means. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week. Thank you,